Hey, this is Higher Peaks. This podcast is supported by our listeners on Patreon. There you can become a patron with options of bonus content, including behind-the-scenes posts, messages, pics, shorts, raw, unedited content, and even full episodes. You can influence future shows, have voting power, get exclusive rewards, and have patron-only giveaways. See full details on our page at patreon.com slash organrooted. Enjoy the show. Our bodies co-evolve with plants. Our bodies recognize every plant and fungus out there. Before, even if you've never been, you've never been introduced to it, our bodies know what these are when they come into us. Somewhere in the magic of that, whether it's magic or whether it's by God's design or sheer happenstance, whatever your belief is, our bodies are hardwired for this stuff and it works differently and better than anything we've ever been able to come up with. So I think the, the promise and the potential is massive. Welcome to Oregon Rooted. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. You're listening to The Dirt Show. Where we bring you Oregon's cannabis culture. Welcome to the Dirt Show. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. Holy hell, it has been a long time since we've been on. Mm-hmm. We haven't been on the last couple of episodes. We've had a couple things going on. Yeah. Uh, plants. Busy, busy fucking life. <laughs> yeah. And it gets busy on and off for you guys this time of year, especially now that COVID's going on, like prices are going up. And, and we have great people that like to just not come to their job. Oh, so there's always staffing issues. Fuck them. <laughs> I hope they enjoy their new fucking jobs. That's all I got to say. Uh huh. So. Because we don't have to deal with their asses anymore. Okay. <laughs> A little bitter. <laughs> well, you're having work extra shifts. So are other people. And also, like I said, like you said the other day, at least there was a bit of a shortage. Oh, yeah. And, and flour. And flour yeah. Yeah. And flour, there's definitely a shortage because the fact that you know, everything's getting sold out a whole lot faster, just like toilet paper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, shit's getting sold out a lot faster. Um, so people are requiring or requesting to pay higher prices so they can buy it out of other people, buy it out of underneath other people. <laughs> so certain farms are getting higher prices from certain dispensaries because they don't want anybody else to buy it out from underneath them. So they're willing to pay the highest price. Yeah, well, and, uh, you know, people are actually there, there's that's there's nothing else to do but smoke weed. I suppose alcohol sales are up too, but smoke weed like one of the articles uh, that I was going to mention is Seth Rogen's advice on any COVID smoke weed and watch movies, which I'm sure a lot of people do. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, so <laughs> That's why there's so many like when did they come out with the top 10 things to watch on Netflix? COVID. Yeah, right. <laughs> now it's like top 10 most things to watch in the U.S., yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Starting like, to break those categories. 
Uh, well, I'm sure Netflix, I'm sure all the services picked up. Oh, um, yeah. So any any kind of entertainment. <laughs> well, and I'm sure it's the services because a lot of people don't really enjoy cable. Right. Yeah. Well, except for, you know, we got that smart TV now and there's they put like Internet channels and shit on there. Yes, but we don't have cable, though. I know. Yeah, I but know. not an issue. I don't I don't no, care. No, I guess local's good enough. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, as far as that, also our grow, we've been busy in uh, to catch everybody up. You know, we've got a few guys, uh, helping us out with our genetics. I wanted mm-hmm. to shout out to them because they're, re- I mean, that's, they're doing free work and, and sharing all the work with me and, and they're really doing good. The plants look great. So oh, yeah. I'm seeing a bunch of phenos out there. I just want to shout out to him at quack five Oh three at the happy plant guy. And this is on Instagram, uh, at Ryan Allen and at go hard, go homeless. Those guys are really killing it for me. And I do keep reposting um, so you can find them on my timeline. But uh, I just want to shout out to them and say thank you very much for the work they're putting in. Hell yeah. Uh, Thanks, guys. To give it back to us. Yeah. But related to that, to our grow, uh, the Plum Chaco is fucking huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like seven Oh, plus. JB said that we should just scrog it. Well... <laughs> I might have to. I, I think it's going to hit the top of. The, I'm sure the it is. So he said, just fold that shit down. But the, <laughs> <laughs> the thing about it is like it's going to take more room, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of pushing my room anyway. So if I do do that, which I may have to, it's going to take up some some width, too. Mm-hmm. But I might have to. And I've kept topping that thing all year. Girthy just, bitch. So it seems like it's holding up, though, and doing real well. I can't wait to see the flowers. Now, all the other ones are doing good, too. Uh, they're all the other ones all are about maybe four to six feet mm-hmm. i did we just pulled a male out of there that was about six feet tall yeah the biggest one we've ever grown we were looking at it wondering if it was male or female and we were curious yeah. up until what six feet like it was tall it was tall before we could actually really tell that it was a male because it was throwing us off yeah like it could have been a herm mm-hmm. we weren't sure so yeah. until it really started popping its balls and that's when we really knew like oh shit <laughs> i know and when they you know when they start popping out it comes quick mm-hmm. nah, no pun intended yeah they don't they, it's once they're popping out they come quick so uh, i just tore him down though because i was getting real nervous and you know i should you mean a- being in the middle of our ladies <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and but i should have taken a picture i was proud of a six foot male plant i mean that thing would have sprayed everywhere yes <laughs> miles <laughs> I, I, I would have donated some pollen to about three blocks from and here. they would have been real happy with you <laughs> at least it wouldn't be hemp so yeah maybe it would i don't know the hemp's pretty close around here not that close but yeah but it's not flowering right yet they should no. have already fucking pulled that shit if they yeah, mm-hmm. it, yeah. sure sure fuckers <laughs> your skittles is looking fucking fire mm-hmm. i don't know how we did it but we got i i mean <coughs> we topped it perfect i mean it, it's perfectly like dome shaped mm-hmm. you cleaned it out well it needs it's got, to be cleaned again it does need to be cleaned again bad uh but it, it it's beautiful like there's a lot of tops on there mm-hmm. it is a little bit shorter but i'm not worried about it it's gonna have a ton of i've heard all of them are like that though it's not a little shorter just this one it's yeah everybody that's running the same one that we have the same strain that we have mm. is all doing the same they're good. all short and squat yeah but they, are they coming out like that dome shape too mm-hmm. oh good yeah. so maybe it's just a natural i think it's just a skittles thing yeah 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 
all of our other crosses are doing good too. Like I said, four to six feet and you know, <laughs> all looking good. So I have nothing to report other than I've been using the Joe Keygrow or Keygrow Solutions nutrients this year. It's only a four part, uh, which sometimes scares people, especially with the CalMag thing. Mm-hmm. But I've we haven't run into any issues no. at all. Everything's looking beautiful this mm-hmm. year. And you were watching me the other day feed them, and it really wasn't that hard compared to when I was mixing, you know, other organics mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. six, ten, twelve part. Yeah, we've gone through our fair share of mixing. Uh, and the the key grow is is organic chemistry, if you will. Um, that's a loose term, but uh, but I, I'm really liking them and it seems like I haven't had to like flush them. I haven't had any kind of buildup issues or like it, the sides of the pots aren't like, you know, salty or anything. So I'm really happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're still using the mammoth and the SLF. So always, I don't think we ever haven't used it. No, no. Uh-uh. Um, but everything is going well. Oh, what I did like this year is we're using that biocontrol yes. from mammoth and look zero bugs mm-hmm. like you know i caught them early as far as whatever i scoped on the plants and just been using that weekly since day one mm-hmm. and there's we've had i haven't seen an aphid i haven't seen a caterpillar yet although i'm spraying for them i haven't seen uh any kind of thrip or any kind of leaf damage like nothing absolutely and nothing. we did have uh, we did have thrips on that skittles when we first got it in and also uh, spider mites. Mm-hmm. It, it was only, I only scoped like one or two. But, but that's they were enough. still there. That's, that's enough. enough. Yeah. That's like head lice. So, exactly. One is enough. One is enough. Uh, same with crabs. Yeah. Cra- yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I just want to note one that. One multiplies to many. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to note the plants have zero bug damage. I don't scope any bugs yet. And we're deep into the point of we should have aphids. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm really happy. I'm really going to be happy about the quality of the end product from mm-hmm. compared to previous years with all the shit we've had to deal with. Oh, yeah. So enough of that. Um, the one thing I did want to get out is that we do need to do is that we have Patreon. Everybody hears that commercial yeah. at the front. Uh, and we have, a, you know, pa- patron, 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 patrons. Uh, <laughs> but we want to start shouting out to those people that join because obviously... We should. Mm-hmm. And so we want to start that. And we have two new ones. And one is John Pippen. He's one of the team, too. He does a lot for us. Oh, hell yeah. And so, but he's joined up. He's top tier. Um, and he, his is at Pippen Jr. John. So P-I-P-P-I-N-J-R-J-O-H-N. And also Lucia Lewis. And so we appreciate him. Absolutely. Basically, this is what's going to keep us going. Yes, it essentially, is. if we want to improve and stuff. And we have been improving, just we can really improve now. Um, but as far as uh, John Pippen is, and all the guys that follow us, the, the whole team that I'm going to mention here, um, basically, if you're not following him, follow him. Because like I said, he's one of our biggest contributors. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then the rest of the team, Mr. Unstoppable, Grow, Far Out Farms, Droopy Wiener T-shirts. We've been working with him on some graphics. We got some stuff we haven't shown yet that he's done really cool with. Mm-hmm. So we might, I might even start like a separate IG just for shit like that, for like fan artist or, or fan, what do you call it? 
I think we should just put it on ours. That's a lot of work. Yeah, making a whole nother one. I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, that sounds gonna, like too much. That work. was going to be for you, though. You're <laughs> funny. I'm like, uh, I'm already running Talent Health Club right now, as it is. I, I, I think I'm good. I know, I know. And I got a lot. <laughs> of course, JB at Oregon Arcus, he does a lot for us. Too. Yes, he does. And then at Blissful Farms. So, thank you for letting me get through that. I appreciate all those guys, and that's pretty much the whole crew that like sticks with us and does free things for us or donates time or energy or whatever. And we do it for them too. So, you know, I just, good. by the way, seeing as I know that JB's listening, I talked to a, I talked to Carl Gorga, you know, Carl. Oh, I know Carl. Yes. About Uh, uh, how he has his seeds on the rec market. And I, um, I got a JB, I'll get a hold of you here soon and I'll let you know what to do. Yeah. In fact, Carl's got to get him out there. Yeah. He's got the, uh, photosynthesis plus, um, well, it's super simple. He's already working with Indigo Gardens too. Oh, nice. That's uh, He's JB. Micro Life Hydro, I think. No, JB is already working with Indigo Gardens. He could easily have his seeds out on the rec market. Oh, nice. Actual seeds out. Seeds. Nice. He wants to Through sell Carl? his packets. Uh, no, he was. I was talking to Carl about I how see. he did it. I yes. see. And he's seeing as JB's already working through a farm, he's already got his foot in the door. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, Carl's a good guy. I think I said, like he said, it's my, uh, he's Micro Life he is microbe life hydro. <laughs> Something like that. He gave me his information. Today well, he does too. a lot of things, but yes. I think we use that product. I use photosynthesis plus for like two years. Yeah. I asked him, I'm like, what exactly do you do? He's like, I am a man of many coats. Yeah. He's, <laughs> I think he distributes a product like lots that. of different things. Yeah. He does so many different stuff. So with that said, um, I think we should just go into the news real quick. Mm-hmm. Got a couple things we want to read. I'll let you start off. Well, first, this one's pretty interesting. Marijuana Moment put together a comprehensive 4,000-word overview (laughs) of where Democratic vice presidential candidate Kamala Harris stands on cannabis, from campaigning against legalization as a California prosecutor to being the lead sponsor of a Senate bill to end federal prohibition and numerous points of evolution in between. President Trump asked about Democratic vice presidential designee Kamala Harris's claim she smoked marijuana in college while listening to yet to be released Snoop Dogg and Tupac albums said (laughs) she lied, but he declined the opportunity to go after her broader cannabis policy to uh, policy record in response to follow up question. Well, she lied. I mean, she said things that were untrue. She is a person that's told many, many stories that weren't true. Man of many words. He is so smart. I I think she lied. Not Cause, sure. Because she's had many, many lies. Many lies. <laughs> many, many stories that weren't true. I know. It sounds like. And you know this they, because they're friends. I, I, it shouldn't be a lie. Was she, she's advocate for cannabis. Why wouldn't well, you have Donald listened Trump, to that? You did a lot of embezzling of cash and a lot of whoremongering as, as we've seen. We've seen the interviews with Barbara Walters. <laughs> Let's go into what you've done, sir. <laughs> oh, wait, we can't. That's a long laundry list. We don't have a lifetime. Uh, Trump has lied many, <laughs> many times. <laughs> many, many stories that weren't true. Yes. <laughs> Um, All right. Uh, The Oregon Secretary of State designated initiatives to legalize psilocybin therapy and to decriminalize drugs and fund treatment as measure 109 and 110, respectively. Right. So it made the ballot. And that's really good. You know, hell yeah, finally. Yeah. And we've been talking. I've been talking about this since last November. We're in the studio. Single 
thing that I have seen to sign, I have signed. Yeah. We, every did, single yeah, one. Yeah. And there was a lot around here in Ashland and stuff like there that. There really was. And every time I saw it outside of things, I made sure to sign it. I made sure that I stayed on anything that I could to sign up to legalize. Right. At least get it on the ballot. And that's what this was all about is getting it on the ballot. Yeah. Well, and then now the next step is getting it legalized. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. So but I think with all the backing that they had, um, also, there's some new backing with it, with the decriminalized nature. I, you know, hopefully we're, it's just going to pass. I, I, mean, I hope that it's instead of the, the steps that we had with cannabis. Right. We had years and years of trying to vote it in. Hopefully yep. it'll go through a lot quicker this time. Yeah. Because we kind of knew how to approach it. Well, and they were worried when COVID hit because you couldn't vote. You had to vote by mail and you had to do this and do that. And it's so, illegal to vote by mail. It's fraud. It's fraud. So, Shit, we're doing different president's, president's voice. <laughs> Fuck. So, uh, that, so that's good. I just want everybody to know that. That is awesome. We did get it on the ballot. And so now we're going to pass it. The next thing you know, one of our future episodes, like I said, we've been talking about this for uh, almost a year now. So mm -hmm. in future episodes gotta be passing all right so i got a few to throw at you real quick okay so here here we go with the psychedelic side oh by the way we before i even read these yes i we should you know relive our weekend relieve our weekend we did uh we did a um a little uh journey if you will what, what do we call them where you reset Psy yeah Psychedelic reset. Yeah. But, you know, we've done it, it several, several times yes. over the years, um, over the 10 years. And so we've pretty much always tried something different. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> as far as situations. This time wasn't so much a psychedelic reset, but at the same time it was like we were. It wasn't like when we take our heavy doses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nothing mm -hmm. like that. But maybe for you. Well, because we were capable of doing things like usually when we oh, take our heavy doses. No, we're not like a quarter ounce of mushrooms. Yeah, yeah, I get pr pretty lethargic. But no, it was no more than like we what we experienced in the uh, cemetery or something like that. Mm -hmm. But what it was is I took approximately an eighth of mushrooms following up with a, a, a regular hit of LSD. Was it a hit or two? Should have been only one. I, okay. I'm assuming I don't. I haven't done any research on what exactly one is. I think it's like 250 micrograms or something. Okay. I don't know, but again, like I don't know what was in there. Someone could say one hit or two hits, and it's just going to be what it is. Yeah. Uh, but we took one dose. I'll say whatever that was. It was on an Oreo cookie, which, like you said, doesn't have to be on that. No. Let's go back to the paper. Just give it to me on a piece of fucking paper. Yeah. Let's go to the paper. <laughs> I don't uh, want to eat an Oreo cookie. If I want an Oreo cookie, I'll eat it on my own. I don't I don't need it soaked with yeah. acid. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'll let you report on your version of it. My thing was I just prefer mushrooms better. Uh, the three and a half grams really started me off really nice. It mm -hmm. was great. And the body high was amazing. Um, talk about no pain. Count and, out, shout out to Keenan. Right. For yes. For, oh, dark freaking uh stone ground chocolate stone ground chocolate for oh, mushrooms so yeah, yeah so good so but it really it i just loved it and then followed that up with as soon as i started you know coming down from the mushrooms we we took the lsd and why well, i had already taken it because my dose wasn't as high as yours right mushrooms. you only had like two, say two grams two and a half grams it, about two to two and a half yeah because yeah. it was like half of a chocolate yeah because yeah. i had had other stuff with the previous half right 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 and so so when the acid hit me it it just it was great it was just different and it just doesn't 
like I feel like I'm learning things from mushrooms. I felt like more connected. I felt mm -hmm. like, you know, like it was part of the whole nature thing. And when the acid kicked in, it was just kind of just visions and mm -hmm. like, you know, color changes, color changing. And I did get a lot of like what I've never seen before where you get to the point where like, you know, you'll look at something that's what we talked about brown but it looks purple the rocks on the other side mm -hmm. they looked really purple to and me the too the tree branches like yeah, i was telling you. like yeah but it was a great time what what did what was your experience um i didn't get as much when it came to the mushrooms but when it came to the acid kicking in it was definitely nice like that when you started building that rock oh the, right the rock tower on my leg yeah i was able to relax and just stare at the sky and mm -hmm. the sky was literally changing colors for uh -huh. me um, I was good for like, how long was I sitting there for about an hour? I can't tell time. No idea how long high. I was sitting there. I just yeah. know that I was sitting there for a really long amount of time until I started hearing those fucks behind us that came out of fucking nowhere mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. ruined, like seriously ruined my high. Like I was good, but it was, it, we were starting to come down anyways, but, um, like I said, the sky was changing colors. There was blue, light blue. There was purple, all sorts of stuff. Like it officially started when I watched, when I pointed out that one wave look like, or that one cloud looked like a wave. And then it- Like cloud wave. It, right, cloud mm. wave. Oh, mm. and then it turned, uh, it went from a wave, it like crashed and then it turned into a mushroom. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of disappeared. And then from then on, this, just the sky kept changing colors. And it's like, you could see that, I could see the smoke moving in because I knew that it, you know, it's smoky around here right mm -hmm. now. Um, I could see the smoke moving in. I could see every cloud start to come through the trees. The trees were really vibrant. And then the branches coming out were really purple. It was really pretty. And then um, as like as I started getting a little bit more anxious sitting there because I started hearing the rocks behind me and stuff like that, that's when I accidentally knocked the rock tower down. Right. And just to be clear, so we're clear about this. So my wife likes to build the rock towers. Like we're going through Fern Canyon, which is a beautiful place to be, amazing place to be and, you know, build a rock tower. Mm -hmm. Well, I decide on my acid trip that I'm going to, because I have to focus on something. Yeah. If I start to get, even if it's a, like I didn't have a bad trip at all, but if I start to go bad, one thing I can do is focus, play a video game, you know, right. build a rock. Anyway, so focusing was great. And so I decided to build one on your thigh. Mm-hmm. Which is very hard to do. You were floating on a mattress on the river. <laughs> I was stable. I did have my butt touching the rocks and I did have my arm on a rock. But we'll have to put that picture up for Patreon so yeah. patrons can see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's then then honestly, these punk ass kids from California started throwing huge ass rocks into the water and started hitting trees with um, with branches, I'm guessing, because I don't know what the hell they were doing it with. I couldn't really see. And they came out of nowhere and all of a sudden they were just there and just throwing shit destroying and the destroying land, yeah. the land. And it's like I let it go for, you know, five to 10, maybe 15 minutes. And then I was just done. Like you asked me not to say anything, but I couldn't hold it back anymore. And it pissed me off. So I yelled at him to fucking knock it off. And they yelled, fuck you. And then they walked away. I'm like, yeah, and you reminded me we don't have cell phone service. I said, yeah, but we got bigger rocks and sticks and we've been <laughs> we've been around this environment a whole fucking lot more. <laughs> well, one thing is we're just out in the middle of nowhere. We didn't have cell service and there was probably four or five of them. They were punk ass kids. I know, Well, yeah. And yeah, they were just talking shit. Yeah, but that's all they were doing. Really got, very destructive. Like that's what really bothered me. Yeah. Right on the border of California and Oregon. Yeah. yeah. And but so but it's it's sad 
to to see people destroying the land like that, I don't know what to tell you. That's pretty. Yeah, pretty sad. It, it is sad to know that if, if they were in Oregon, maybe I would have went over there with you. Yeah, I was I was getting really fucking pissed. Like I it really was getting it bothered my high that I was just like, I'm sitting here staring at this beautiful environment and then I hear you wrecking it. Yeah. As yeah. I'm staring well, so at that, it. Yeah. And that did kind of that did it wasn't a negative part of the trip, but it did knock me out of the loop. Yeah. It, One, it frustrated me. Yeah. And so and it, it's it's harder to deal with those things because you're already you're already in a zone where you're you're peeking out on different emotions and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's really hard to, to have to deal with that. But you know, I, I did notice too after that, well, even before that, that like with the acid, unlike mushrooms, is I would go through uh, circles of like lethargy, like I'd be really tired mm-hmm. and then be okay. And then be really tired and then be really okay. Mm-hmm. Did that happen to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I would start weird. yawning and then I would, I'd be like, okay, I'm anxious. Now let's get up and walk around. And then the only other thing I didn't like, I don't like as much about LSD is that it lasts so damn long. Mm-hmm. Like it just lasts and that's okay, but it gets tiring. Like, cause sometimes I do have to focus or something. And it's just like, at some point it's like, okay, I'm done. And it's still going. Mm-hmm. And it might keep going. And then, yeah. So it was good that we started early in the day, yeah. especially if you want to be able to sleep that night. So that's my recommendation. You still didn't fix- sleep. I still didn't sleep, no. But maybe that's better. Maybe I should have done it early at night, not slept that night, that next day, and maybe... <laughs> <laughs> Circled around, just did it again. Okay, well, so that is our last experience. Uh, we do them every, you know, month or two. By the way, I have some months. free ones coming to us. What, mushrooms? Yes. Don't shout out who it is. I won't, but <laughs> they will bring it to, or we're going to stop and pick, the, I need to stop and pick them up at awesome. some point. Sweet. Yep. That is awesome. I think it's about an eighth and a half. Okay. And then I also have some mushroom chocolates coming to me too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Sweet. Very nice. I This has all surprised me, people. I just found out today. Aren't you all jealous? <laughs> <laughs> so that that leads me into these few stories. Uh, John Hopkins wants to hear about your psychedelic journeys for a new world, real world study. Um, if you're planning on tripping on mushrooms anytime soon, if you're willing to fill out a few surveys. Is this like real world, real world mushroom days or something? Would like, you, it's just MTV bit. real world or are we talking about something different uh, real world well meaning real world study meaning that a legitimate study you can fill out okay. surveys based on your psychedelic experience I was it going says, to MTV sorry yeah <laughs> so it says researchers at Johns Hopkins University who have been at the forefront of psychedelic studies in a lab setting are partnering with a Denver-based nonprofit to gather thousands of real world experiences with psilocybin uh, by diverging from a standard research setting, they're hoping to gain a better understanding of the factors that influence a trip and its outcomes. So they ask people to plan to use psilocybin to share their experiences in order to build a better understanding. You can just fill out surveys, basically, a, a large survey set, actually. And anybody that's planning to use psilocybin in the next six months can sign up to join the study. So I'll you, sign up. Yeah, you can look that up. Uh, marijuana moment should have it there under john hopkins so i thought that was pretty cool can you do it from home (laughs) that's what they do you you have your experience you order the survey packet and register and then uh they send you the survey packet and then you just fill it out it says it's a large packet i want to do it we should we should have done it with this last experience why can't we still well we can just have a new experience and then do that oh shucks maybe they'll let us do both (laughs) 
can I just give you all my experiences? <laughs> I got it. Can you send me a couple packets? <laughs> so the uh, next thing is Canada is going to let terminally ill patients use psychedelic mushrooms for end of life care. There's four current cancer patients in the end of life care that would become the first people in decades to legally possess and consume uh, psilocybin for the end of life care. That's pretty awesome. Fucking go Canada. Yeah, seeing as I have a customer that's literally like wasting away and dying, like he, I, we thankfully got to see him today. And let me tell you, even if you don't take like with mushrooms, I'm, I'm guaranteeing this. Even I, because I know this for sure, at least in my experience, is that if you take the right amount of mushrooms, you can get a really good long body high, without mm -hmm. the visions. Yeah. And I had mostly that on that three and a half grams that we took. I had a really good body high and I had zero pain. I felt like I was basically laying on a pillow. Yeah. So I, I'm going to say that even if you don't take it to have psychedelic visions to get in you know, touch with God or whatever, it's going to take away pain for a good few hours. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's my two cents. Uh, and then I got to shock you with this one. Women who use marijuana more often have better sex. Study says. Among women who enjoy marijuana, why are you laughing? You don't? I just think it's funny. Uh -huh, I just, no comment. Thanks. Um, just, <laughs> among women who enjoy marijuana, there's no shortage of anecdotal evidence that adding a bit of cannabis can bring a thrill to the bedroom. And in states where the drug is legal, marketers have capitalized on that claim. THC-infused lubricants promised increased arousal and better orgasms in power. Right. Mm -hmm. And some sexual health advocates have built entire careers on cannabis enhanced intimacy. I don't know about all the lubes and stuff. I mean, it might give you a tangle or whatever, but I think just the finding the right strain or um, even just. We have used the lubes before, and I do got to say that I didn't feel too much of a difference. Mm -hmm. No, no, I didn't like it didn't make me feel tingly high oh. down in my vaginal area. <laughs> But whatever. But as can I mean, obviously, cannabis is, has been an aphrodisiac. Yes, and that certain, should lead to better strains. sex. Yes, yeah. it is certain strains. It is a certain terpene that is out there that it, it helps with that. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to love this one. Don't drive high on marijuana, <laughs> even if you're being chased by an axe murderer, a new federal PSA says. <laughs> no, like you said earlier. But... What stupid stoner had to ask the question to get this article written? But uh, what if I'm getting chased by an axe murderer, bro? Bro. Can I drive then? So so the, the federal government says, oh, shit. Oh, my God. Okay. It's like these fucking idiots. We got to put out a PSA on the TV, radio, and web. Listen, the latest push by the federal government to deter marijuana-impaired driving is coming to TV, radio, and the web. Its message, even if you're being chased by an axe-wielding psychopath, it's not worth driving high. <sighs> fuck you. And if the cops chase me instead of the axe murderer, fuck them too. It's like, you got to be fucking twisted, bro. <laughs> but you you really got a good point. Like, like what, what stoner actually got them to Just do this? Just like the reason why we have the food stamp sticker on the fucking place at work is because somebody had to ask if they could use their food stamps card to buy something. Like it had to be put up there for a reason. Just like the this item is hot on the top of the coffee at McDonald's. I know. They had to get I sued mean, in order to put it on there. That's fucking coffee. Of course it's hot. You dumbass. 
But I'm I'm almost wondering, are they mocking stoners by that? Are they mocking by by what you said? You said what stupid they, what stupid stoner had to say and that's what they're saying is are we fucking stupid stoners that that's what we're asking? Really? I bet you it was one of those fucking millennials. <laughs> anyway, listen to this. It says in the commercial, the men ultimately find a vehicle to escape the scene, but the driver pauses before he turns the key in the ignition and takes a hit. <laughs> wait 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 he says i can't drive high i can't drive i'm high don't chase me don't chase me i'm high i'm too high for this Stop oh my it. god listen it says don't worry the two would be murder victims swap seats and end up getting away safely while the sober one mans the wheel yeah i'm rarely around a sober not, friend right <laughs> If I'm I'm a stoner, I'm going to hang around stoners. I doubt I'm going to be like, oh, you were DD for the axe murderer. Thanks. Who is not a stoner that I hang out with? It is Oregon. So I, I can't tell you if. Uh, I think Ramon and Manuel are the only two that that don't smoke that I am around. Yeah. Well, that's it. Like Crystal <laughs> smokes with me. Kristen smokes with me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. And everybody else I work with. So those are, those guys don't count. Well, I hope you enjoyed our long story and the news. Uh, I've heard people enjoy our banter. So only a little few. birdie told me. <laughs> Again, yeah, there's always those people that hate banter. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> Again, thank to, thanks to the patrons. We really appreciate you. Um, you mean a lot. And uh, as far as what we're putting up, High Lady Sativa is going to be putting a lot more of her personal stuff up and what she does at work and shit like that. Also, I've got, I'm going to, I'm wondering if we shouldn't use your really nice, cool ass video I made and make that a patron thing too for, be cool. for, because can that's I a, see it before yeah, you do that? But it's, a, you know, it's not only, it's not only a cool ass video, but she's really hot in it. So maybe it should be behind the wall. <laughs> you still need that song though. I, I know I got to do that. So, all right, let's, let's talk about uh, what, who we're talking to. Green Earth Medicinals. I sat down with them. They are a, uh, it, they're basically a line of physician formulated CB botanicals. Uh, they also use other herbs in their mixes. It's kind of a synergistic thing. But what's really cool about them is they are physician. Mm -hmm. A physician doesn't have to write a script. He just recommends it and then the people can get it. Um, but they can order online too as well. Uh, basically, just to let everybody know, I wouldn't, you know, talk to a CBD company that wasn't didn't have some sort of legitimacy. There's a lot of weird shit marketing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we do talk about that, but they do like four stages of testing. They do a biomass testing. Uh, so right after the harvest, regardless of what the testing's already been done, they still do their own biomass that they buy. Then they do an extract testing after it's done. Then they do batch testing and then they do finished product testing. Nice. So it's, it's good stuff and it's all that's they, awesome. That's that's good to hear. Yeah, the four steps even after anything that's happened beforehand, um, which I really liked. Also, too, uh, their uh, CBD is not isolate, distillate, whatever. It is quote unquote full spectrum. So I sit down with Green Earth Medicinals and we talk about a lot of things. We talk about all different kinds of herbs, actually, how they work together and how they work with CBD. We talk about the quality of their product. They, we talk about how they go through physicians. Uh, we also have a, a good talk about psychedelics with them too, and how oh, yeah. how they're going to work with mushrooms too. Once it's you know once you know things move forward. So without further ado, 
Here it is, Green Earth Medicinals. Organ love. Organ love. Stay rooted. I've been working with uh, medicinal herbs and plant medicine for about 23 years professionally to work for a chain of health food stores that was owned by a naturopath and learned at the, the feet of professionals to respect plant medicine as serious science and serious medicine. Mm-hmm. So, and that's part of how I ended up with this company was that I was looking for somebody who understood the cannabis plant as botanical medicine. And there weren't a lot of people to be found doing that because uh, for a lot of professionals, they weren't willing to put their license at risk because you're uh, so many of these uh, medical professionals, your professional license is peer reviewed and it's based on your training. And are you using what people with your training would use? So Chinese medicine um, in particular, they have their limits because they really want to stick with um, their tradition, but they also are one of the few groups of herbalists that get insurance coverage as long as they, and you know, those, that, those type of liability guidelines. And a lot of the uh, MDs and NDs who are herbalists were really hesitant to work with the plant for the very same reason. And as a result, there wasn't the um, depth of knowledge of the plant when I was looking for people to work with. I wanted to work with people who knew what they were doing. And there just weren't that many that I could find. And when I would talk to companies and talk with them about the plant, you know, I didn't know a great deal of depth about it. I really owe Jason Williams a lot of depth. Oh, okay. Seriously. Which, by the way, second edition came, he announced today. It on did. Facebook. It did. Yeah. I was stoked on that. Uh, and, and a kid's book about mushrooms while I was at it. The guy's busier than anyone's got sense to be. Right. But he, um, you know, I brought, I learned most of what I've known uh, from him and from professionals like Kevin Spellman, professionals we work with, such as Cedar uh, Miller. But that's the key thing that it had to draw me to this, this company was I had come at and have always worked with herbal medicine from the perspective of serious healthcare and being part of the picture for that and understanding that no no one plant is magic and they all have properties and strengths and weaknesses you have to compensate for. And how do you work with this plant as part of your herbal toolkit? Right. You know, looking at everything with just a hammer and saying everything's a nail, but when is it appropriate to use this? When might it not be? What are the things you've got to be concerned with? And ever since then, it's just turned out to be the most fascinating work that I've been doing, you know, in 23 years. Yeah. So now Green Earth Medicinals, now they... You work with, like you said, all different kinds of of, yeah. of plants or or whatnot. CBD is part of that. Do you find like, yeah, do you find that um, using different plants together, uh, it works? Or do you actually, do you guys just recommend sticking to a certain strict program of medicines? Um, we find that all plants tend to... Um, work better in partnership with others if you're, you can and that allows you to improve their delivery it allows you to focus where you're wanting to work in the body in some cases and the way that we often use it is going to be improving the efficacy of the formulas so nothing we do is just a straight up pure cannabis product you know our even our oil is a formulation using mct oil and using um, full spectrum forms 
of essential oil flavorings that have compounds in them that are complementary. So things like terpenes are found in all plants. That's what gives plants their flavor and, and smell. But they're also a good source for complementing the effects that you're trying to get. So sure. without giving too much of what we're doing, um, our formulations do come into play using the complementary compounds to Cedar talks about a, a lot about network physiology, which is the idea that you've got this point you're trying to hit. And if I go after it with just my fingertips, that's one point of contact. Whereas if I go with five fingertips or my whole hand, I've got more capacity to have a, an impact. And in the same way, if you are hitting that receptor with the cannabis plant and then you're adding to it other plants that help you to get effect you get better benefits that way. So um, that's one aspect of how we would look at it. With the oils, we would also look at using um, the phosphatidyl uh, choline that you're naturally going to find in uh, uh, sunflower lecithin to not just make it a more stable product, but provide a little more support for the nervous system. Now, I've and, seen... Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and that's like our most simple product would be the oil. That's the closest thing we've got to a simple when you get into something like our cream that is really complex, we're finding every, we, every way we can to screw with the efficiency of pain transmission. So we know that the CBD is going to help to mod, help the body to modulate its immune, its uh, immune response, its neurological response, its pain response, its perception of the internal and external environment. <clears throat> but that's not the only way that we can help people feel better. And in many ways, we want to get more immediate effect in there to really um, change how they feel. So we'll take one approach for people who have injured themselves, because that's one set of receptors uh, called um, vanillinoid or TRPV1 receptors. And you can use things like cayenne that specifically target that. And then Chinese medicine provides a great formula that we built upon called white flower oil, which you can find in the health food store. And that's a 3,000-year-old formula that's all about uh, dealing with pain in an immediate sense when you have been hit, when you have had a sprain, when you have a strain, and it's got 3,000 years of efficacy behind it. And then we took that and added other herbs, such as Jamaican dogwood, which specifically target a terp um, in interfering with the efficiency of pain transmission. And then you add the cayenne, which hits the trip receptors. And now you've got a really complex way of calming down that voice screaming at you saying this hurts and yeah. trying to get it to get the inside voice. For the case of the cream, we're taking an approach of saying, okay, there may be a lot more complexity going on in this situation. And one thing that might be worthwhile to have in this discussion is the discussion that I can't have straight conversations about how these plants are. Right. And why that is. And it's not unique to the cannabis plant. It's the problem of the cannabis medicine. But for that product, we, uh, the cream is something that we're really trying to find multiple ways of interfering with, with pain transmission for situations where we might not know what all is going on and why they're feeling bad, but we're trying to find every way we can to give them improvement. Sure. So we use multiple herbal approaches. So things like Koi Dollars from Chinese medicine from the poppy family has a very specific and effective approach. You also have things like Jamaican dogwood that I mentioned before. Find another track to be really helpful. People are familiar with herbs like Boswellia. They're familiar with herbs like hops. 
And then when you put them all together, you end up with a really effective way of getting people released. And, you know, we don't really know in herbal medicine, is it the herbs are doing exactly what we want them to do? Or is it like James Duke said, where the herbs are just a pharmacy and our body says, well, I want this compound from this and this compound from this and this compound from this. I'm going to make this out of it. And right. how much of it is body making that determination? How much of that is us making the right choice? We don't really know. And that's where it all gets really fascinating that with herbal medicine, you never really and in fact, if you think you do, you're probably wrong. Sure, sure. Now, we talked about this before, too, but, uh, you know, the CBD world is kind of, it's volatile, really. I mean, there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of, uh, not a lot of knowledge in terms of, you know, um, just legitimate FDA studies, stuff like that. Um, but I've noticed out of all the 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 companies that have CBD products, you guys are actually, I mean, legitimate. Um, I did, we did get your sample. And, oh, and what do you think? Uh, well, so my wife's been using it for the last uh, few days. Um, she's using uh, the spray and the cream because she's okay. got, she's got some serious back stuff going on right now. And uh, uh, honest review, it's been working great. Uh, she does have to apply it often though. That could be the level of the pain, maybe, but but it does work. It's just something that she has to take time out to to do several times, which is understandable. I mean, sure. she works all day standing, so uh, you know, I'm which sure. Isn't helpful. No, it's not. Um, but uh, but it's been helping. Now I've been taking the drops, the tincture that you sent, mm -hmm. and it's been working great. Uh, normally, I have. Uh, times I have anxiety and I don't, um, it's, it's actually starting to kind of a little bit level itself on that part. I will say that we did talk about this. We talked about how that you guys are formulating it to where it doesn't cause lethargy or, you know, you don't get burnout by the end of the day after taking it over and over. Um, yeah. and, and I did Our, notice that I have noticed no effects in that, in that manner. So, yeah, it's one of the concerns that we were starting with, which was that our brand came out of the need of practitioners who ended up being heavily involved in our formulation. Uh, there were, there, there's a physician who's been running clinics in Oregon for the past, uh, since 2008, uh, Dr. Christian Lay had noticed in his pediatric patients in particular, but also with other patients who were taking elevated levels of CBD, that sedation was a really constant problem. And it was kind of a good news, bad news situation. The good news is it's working. The bad news is your daughter is falling asleep in class. Right. Or, you know, dad's feeling much better, but now he can't drive. Yeah. Because in clinics, they're using on the order of, you know, not uncommonly 300, 400, 500 milligrams a day of CBD. Sure. And at that level, most of what was on the market would be really sedative. And a lot of the market is serving people who want a sedative. There are plenty of folks who just want to relax. And for those who want to do that, there's plenty of options. And, and you know from taking our product that they certainly aren't going to be stimulant and no. they don't, you know, they, you, you do feel a more relaxed state, but they're not sedative at higher levels. And that's really something that we were very concerned with is that you could take this and still function um, at what would be levels above and beyond what even the standard consumer might typically take. 
and that was a primary concern. Another one was flavor because you won't get pediatric compliance if it doesn't taste good. You know, right. kids, kids won't stick with it. And what we have found and what the practitioners have observed is that CBD works best on an ongoing basis. The oil is going to have about a six-hour half-life, and then it depletes in 18 to 36 hours, depending on what's going on with you. And there's not a standard um, milligram per pound ratio that you want to work with. It, we discourage people from thinking it, thinking it works that way because all of the experience shows different that you really need to pay attention to your body, see how you're feeling, work out what is best for you. So what we have found is that if people will take it every meal and bedtime and consistently do that, they can find their own level by increasing it every day, typically within a week or two. And what is going to be their own level is going to be their personal level of comfort, whether that be emotional comfort, whether that be physical comfort. It all comes down to helping your body properly deal with our world. And we don't fully know what all is going on with how CBD interacts with the ECS. Um, the ECS wasn't discovered until the 90s. Right. And we really didn't have significant research on cell signaling systems until the 90s. And this is the cell signaling system of the ECS, which, by the way, is interacting with serotonin uptake, uh, with um, um, adrenal function, functioning with all sorts of different cell signaling systems. Um, there's a lot observed that suggests there's more going on than what thought but at the end at the root of it it seems like this is coming down to properly perceiving what's happening in the environment around us and in helping us properly understand that. so the the use of the oil on an ongoing basis seems to be really really effective to help straighten that back out um, having said that six hours half-life is great but your absorption to full tissue saturation is going to happen around two to three hours so if you're looking for immediate results, oil could be problematic. So for that reason, we also developed a buckle spray. And you had mentioned the spray um, that your wife was using. I think that's our topical spray. I believe so. Yeah, she used that. Yeah. I sprayed that on first. She's been having some serious, serious back pain. This is not just like, you know, my back hurts thing. Uh, so I did. I used the spray and then we used the cream. And I do. I Before you go on, I do want to say that that cream, I've had a lot of honestly a lot of cbd products some of the homemade stuff is actually better um mm -hmm. but i did notice that there was a good consistency between like i have a i have a couple farms that make cbd stuff for us and i did notice that your your product was uh clean it was i like the ingredients when i ran the ingredients list and it also smelled good and it didn't go on like some things go on really oily and it takes about yeah an hour, you know, to, to soak in. So, but yours didn't. And like I said, she was able to go to sleep within like 45 minutes. She took it at night or she takes it all the time. But I mean, when we first started it, she took it at night and she was able to fall asleep within like 45 minutes. Um, so I, I just want to point out for the listeners that, that there is some good quality stuff there. And, uh, it actually, yeah, it actually absorbs uh, like a cream would or anything. Else. I mean, there's you can tell that the thought's been there. So also wanted to mention, I think your tinctures are very good too because like when I use mine, I just put them in my tea or my coffee. Have you tried the buckle? This The spray? 
The buckle spray, yeah. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. So that's a real different one in the marketplace. Okay. Um, buckle in the cheek. You know, one of the fun things of working with scientists is they make me teach new terms to our customers, including ones they don't know. And most of our retailers were not um, familiar with buckles. And the pharmacists are immediately, oh, a cheek spray. Mm-hmm. And there's the reason for that is your saliva glands are right there at your gum line. Mm-hmm. And if you spray into the cheek, you concentrate it near the saliva glands. And the prickly ash in there will make you drool a little bit. And the reason we're doing that is that makes a backdoor entrance into your bloodstream, hijacking your saliva glands into a delivery system for the CBD. And what that does is it gives you um, about a 15-minute delivery time instead of two to three hours. Right. So if someone is needing immediate results, they can go to that and find great results. My uh, father-in-law, who is very conservative and has been really hesitant about this plant, uh, has been having some major neck issues and and getting him up in the middle of the night. And we got him to try some on the trip. And he's, you know, finding that he can take it and go back to sleep with comfort with that. Um, now that's a one, one of the reasons you don't see that very often is there's a natural acridity to using alcohol forms of, of cannabis. I don't know if you've, you've tried many uh, alcohol tinctures, but they tend to taste really god awful. Yes. And that bite in the back of your throat is to be about 10 times worse. And pretty much all the other herbs that are in there are basically numbing your mouth. So you don't feel that burn. I see. So when you do it, you get just a bite and then you suddenly feel like you've been to the dentist. I've noticed that. Yeah. And for, and for a minute, your mouth is numb and that's purely intentional. That's basically the way we get around the problem of working with the alcohol and getting it to work right so that you can get people to do it again. Because there's all sorts of herbs that work really well, that taste so god awful. People just won't take them. And in the case of the alcohol delivery, it was like, we really want to have this, but we've got to, overcome this problem which is that it you know people don't want to do it twice i get it um and also too i think that there's a a section of population that doesn't want to have alcohol-based products whether that's because they they need to stay away from alcohol or they need to you know they don't want it to be a part of their life or something but um, it is good to see that there's other options. So i did want to make it clear too that and you mentioned this but you're working with jason wilson and he's been part of your basically quality. Yeah. Um, yeah. He helped us uh, set up our quality standards. Okay. And it's um, also, I don't know if you saw, I had a chance to check out our education modules, but we contracted with him to, to do those uh, partly just to make sure that everything we provided was as accurate as we could possibly do. Um, we are finding ourselves in the position of correcting a lot of misinformation that's been put out there by various individuals sure. and really trying to help practitioners understand what they're working with and give them a good sense of what to expect and what the underlying science is. So he has helped us on setting, uh, we're in pursuit of international pharmaceutical ISO standards for, um, I think it's ISO 9,000, 17,000, and maybe 22, I forget the last one, but they're, kind of ridiculous for most people in this space but for us it's absolutely what we want to go for so that we can have the highest standard to measure against for people who are looking for alternatives um, that they don't feel like they're taking a step down if they choose a natural approach as opposed to a pharmaceutical approach we have to be careful that we don't sell our products as drugs but 
we want people to feel comfortable that they're getting equivalent quality out of what what they're getting from us as they might get from a pharmaceutical company. And the only way to assure that is to follow the same quality standards. And Jason has been instrumental in guiding our process through that, ensuring that we could we can meet that. Absolutely. And the thing is, the reason I want to point that out is because Jason Wilson has been on several times on our podcast. People have heard, um, you know, his background, people know, um, you know, what he does. And so I was just hoping to, to make sure people understood that, um, you guys' focus on quality has been, um, one of your, you know, top priorities. I, when we were talking before the interview, obviously, uh, we talked about a few things that are kind of sketchy on the market when it comes to herbal supplements. And so having, you know, uh, what do they call that? Complete uh, uh, transparency. Thank you. Thank you. Perhaps. Yes. Complete transparency and also be marketing properly. You know, don't don't over market it. And I, I haven't and seen that with you guys. And I think that a lot of that probably goes back to the fact that you picked one of the best guys for quality. You probably could, at least that I know. We definitely with Jason as well. Um, but part of my role is having worked with plant medicine for a long time, sure. and especially the marketing aspect, um, making sure that everything we're doing is kosher according to the laws and the limitations of both the industry under the under what's called the SHEA, which is the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act, and um, just the common problems of herbal medicine and herb fraud. You know, uh, a couple of examples of that, for example, um, I have to think of, so milk thistle is a plant that we don't sell, so I can talk about that. Oh, okay. Uh, I am not allowed to describe our products in any way that will claim to treat, cure, or mitigate a disease or a disease state in a man or animal. It doesn't matter if it's true. It doesn't matter if I have all the science to support it. The moment I make that claim, I'm selling a drug. Right. That currently all your herbal medicine is sold as food. And in an oversimplified model, you have food versus drug. Food is assumed to be safe until proven otherwise. I don't have to do testing on garlic to sell you garlic because we have been consuming it for thousands of years. We, no one's dying from it. We know that it's safe. It's generally recognized as safe. Whereas if I introduce something new to the population, I've got to do all this testing, especially if it's something, I, a chemical I've come up with, such as a pharmaceutical or synthetic. I have to prove that's not poison. But in return, in terms of how marketing works, the minute I make what they consider a drug claim, I suddenly have to be held to those drug standards. And we have to be really, really careful that we stay on the right side of that. And that's not just the case with cannabis. It's with every plant. Right. Uh, for in Oregon, I understand milk thistle is actually an invasive for you guys. Is it, <laughs> Got a lot of it. <laughs> milk thistle, um, since I don't sell, I can tell you, is the single best thing you can do to heal a diseased liver. If you, uh, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's a, and, and the, the poisonous mushroom, the death cap, uh, the death angel. Mm. Uh, Aminata? Amin yeah, it's... Uh, I, you know, I say it wrong every time. I say Amanita, but I so that one will digest your liver in 24 hours. Wow, 24 to 48 hours in the hospitals in Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. 
they have a 500 to 1 milk thistle extract that will regrow one-third of a new liver in 24 hours. You will produce a pound of organ in 20, not organ, organ, the liver. Organ, You'll yes. grow a third of a new one in 24 hours. But if I sell you milk thistle, I cannot tell you it will heal your liver or accelerate the production of new liver cells. Wow. The most I can say is it may be helpful for liver health. And that's the degree of absurdity that we have to deal with with the regulations regarding herbal medicine. The other thing that we have to deal with is herb fraud is the second oldest business in the world. And there are documented examples of herb fraud going back in Chinese medicine for 3,000 years. You can look at the old compendiums and the old Materia Medicas and find examples of how stragglers, um, what you want to look for is the yellow color. You want to look for that nice, sweet flavor. And, but you have to be careful that it wasn't washed in honey water because people are looking for really big roots. And the big root is the old root and full of medicine. So 3,000-year-old herb fraud with astragalus root, which you'll see in health food stores all the time, will be these uniform yellow, pounded-out tongue depressors that have been soaked in honey water. And you know that they're fraudulent because they don't look like an egg yolk. They're just solid yellow. Okay. And you can tell they're smashed out. And the taste is not the taste that it's supposed to have. It's supposed to taste like a sweet pea. Sweet like a sweet pea, not sweet like honey. But if it tastes like honey, you're dealing with fraud. And the problem is, astragalocides are water soluble. They've washed all the medicine off in the fraud process. And at any given time, half the astragalus I'll see in the bulk food section stores will be fraud astragalus. And that's to be expected. And when you're looking at sourcing herbs, when you're looking at everything like that, you have to assume someone's going to try to screw with you. You have to assume that someone's trying to commit fraud. Yeah. And you better test for it or you're going to get that. And a lot of the people who are working in this space um, don't seem to have an appreciation for how much of that's really going on, or they may think it's only happening in the cannabis space, but there's nothing new about it. And we try to make sure that we are one of the good guys out there consistently providing effective medicine from the first drop to the last drop within a bottle, from one batch to the next, so that the person who's using this to support their health can get what they're expecting every single time. And working with plants, that's a really hard thing to do. You have to do a lot of work to get consistency because nature doesn't give that to you. No. Especially this plant that diversifies every time it goes to a new generation. So it's from a, from a herb nerd perspective, it's fascinating stuff. The, the way that all of the usual challenges are here, but then a whole bunch of new ones are presented with something that has, you know, I've read 26,000 different cultivars and Jason says that may be an undercount. So, yeah, I, yeah, who knows? Uh, I do know this. I do know that what you just touched on is a very important aspect because I have seen some pretty crazy marketing schemes put on CBD, which yeah. makes it rough for people that are trying to have some integrity because like you said, it, it goes across the board. It, it, that kind of same problem happens with other herbs and other plants. Mm -hmm. And so 
the unfortunate part is as a consumer, you have to do some extra research or you have to, you know, maybe listen to a podcast or, you know, uh, get it from the source um, of exactly what's going on. Because a lot of times whatever's printed on the bottle um, just is not true half the time. Um, yeah, there was a recent examination showing that most of the products that were tested did not meet label claims. Right. Well, so also too, and, and some, and many of them were over, but mostly they're all over the map. Exactly. No consistency, which means that your dosage you can't even rely on. And uh, not only that, but also uh, the fact that um, CBD coming on so hard and then having it to where it's like half the market is lies and misinformation has made it to where, you know, it's, I think some people get hesitant even with CBD. You know, oh, they, it's a problem we're hearing from practitioners right now is that um, I was talking to uh, Dr. Wong at Medverde down in uh, Miami, and she had said one of her challenges is that she'll recommend CBD for one of her patients. And I'm like, yeah, I tried that. It didn't work. And she's like, well, try this one. And invariably, the, per the person's going to get results using our product. But there's a whole lot of people because they've tried poor quality CBD have the false impression that this really beneficial plant is worthless. And what's happening is there's just a flood of crap on the market right now, especially and unfortunately due to the farm bill making it legal for everyone to grow, everybody has jumped into it. And, you know, what do you know? It's not the easiest thing to get right. Yes, it's a weed and it will grow everywhere. But you want to think of it like wine in that it has certain terrains that it likes to do better in with certain cultivars. And most of what we know is what we've been growing in the Pacific Northwest and Colorado for the most part. And, you know, those, those varieties, they don't like, they don't like mold. They don't like mildew. They don't like fungus. High humidity is a problem. Well, you go and you try to grow that down in the South where we have it by the yard. You've got some real challenges. So you're seeing a flood of really poor quality CBD come to the market. So it's not only driving down the price, but there's just a flood of poor biomass. And, you know, business is business. You're going to figure out a make, way to make that work. So people right now are putting all, everything into isolate. Because you can make isolate out of that stuff. Yes. So the market is flooded with really cheap isolate, which there's not a, you know, if we're going to talk about the science, there's not a single scientific study showing that isolate works anywhere near as well as full spectrum, which for the botanical medicine community, we already knew. Right. We've always, there's, it's not one thing. What Ethan Russo, Russo called the entourage effect is full spectrum plant medicine, which we have always known works better. And if there's a big difference in our products versus the others is that we're really obsessive about these minor compounds that we pull out in our extraction process. So most of our competitors may take a few hours to do an extract. We're going to take 20 hours. But the difference is are all these tiny, minute compounds that we don't know what they do, but we know it works better. Right. Well, and we don't there's, know how it interacts. Yeah. Yeah, we and and you don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? And that's where we actually are taking a very traditional approach, which is that we don't presume to know what the good parts are. Everyone's focused on the CBD, but there's other cannabinoids that are present and they matter. And it's uh, 
much more complicated than, than a lot of the industry is willing to appreciate. I was talking to uh, the, man, the president of one of the big early in company out there, and I was talking with him about the difficulties and lab testing. I said, do you guys have the uh, difficulty of getting consistent lab results? He goes, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, we do our own internal testing, and we can send it to three different labs, and we get three different reports. He's like, well, well, I can, you know, maybe your testing is off. I'm like, no, no, the CBD is fine. It's all the minor compounds. He goes, what, like terpenes and stuff? I'm like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, they're all in? Yeah. And he's like, well, they don't matter. Don't worry about that. And I'm like, really? He's like, oh, yeah, none of that's important. You just got to have the CBD. I'm like, really? <laughs> and I, I'm not going to correct him on his business or give him a competitive advantage, but uh, I was amazed that this guy who's running a very successful company absolutely believe that none of that stuff really mattered. All that mattered was really the CBD. And once you had that, you were fine. And it's, it's alarming that people uh, who are consumers and, and people who need it to match, who need it to, to work, are buying brands that don't have that level of thoughtfulness or care about what's going into their product. Well, and I and think... I th- just just to elaborate on that too, coming from just a lot of experience with THC, um, I have noticed like when T- when organ rent went legal in 2015, um, there was a big race to make isolated THC or the the strongest form of THC. Big race, and they've done it. You know, you can get diamonds that are. 94, 93%, whatever, or better. But I think the market, at least on the THC side, has realized that that is not really a good high. Uh, It's flat, it doesn't last long, and it doesn't have any of the same effects as if you had a full-spectrum flower or even a broader-spectrum concentrate. Uh, and, And people are noticing that. And I think that hopefully that will carry over to CBD. This is no different than working with St. John's Wort or working with Echinacea or working with any of these other plants that, you know, these are lessons that, you know, I'm seeing a lot of lessons being relearned in this industry that we learned 30, 40 years ago in botanical medicine. And back when St. John's Wort became huge, everybody, everyone became focused on 0.3% hyperostat. And if you know a bit about that plant, you want to take the top three to six inches right at the peak of summer when it is really throwing off all these compounds and those new flowers. But you had people who were harvesting just the whole plant and they were extracting just for the hyperosin content or even just using the whole plant using a crappy plant, but adding just hyperosin back into it. And as it worked out, the reason hyperosin was chosen for the standard was that it was easy to measure. And if you had 0.3% hyperosin, you probably had 0.4% hyperforin. And as it works out, it's hard to measure. It was hard to measure that one, but that's what was really maybe doing more of the work. So you had a lot of standardized 0.3% St. John's work from companies who were cutting corners that didn't work. Whereas you had Oregon company Herb Farm doing it the traditional way only taking the top three inches, picked at the right time of the year, grown in a clean environment, that they didn't really originally even test for the pyrocin, 
but they got consistently better results. And when they did get around to testing, it turns out, yeah, it's right at the 0.3%. It performs where it needed to be. And all these other compounds that you don't know what they do, but they mattered, produced better plant medicine. And that whole, you're seeing the results of people working with it who haven't approached it from a medicinal perspective. And we're having to relearn all of those. It goes hand in hand with the fact that a lot of the chemistry that's going on with cannabis now has been out there for a long time, but it seems like now it just seems like you have people claiming that they came up with a new product or people claiming they came up with a new process. And it's like, no, this is chemistry that's been around for, for a hundred years, maybe. Uh, and, and you're just now applying it to cannabis. Well, and you, you know, people sometimes will ask me, he's like, well, what's going to be better alcohol extraction or CO2 extraction or, you know, whatever new thing someone decides to come up with. And, to my experience, what I really want to know is, well, who's doing it and what are their goals? Because you can make a really great alcohol extract with an incredible full spectrum. And if you're really, really careful in the refining process, you can retain some more of those minor compounds. Unfortunately, most companies are going to eliminate most of them when they refine it. Um, when they get out the waxes and they get the chlorophyll, they're going to get a lot of the good stuff that goes with it. But at the same time, you can get these race car extraction for CO2 that we can pull out an extract in an hour and a half. And, you know, you push it through at 5,000, you know, 5,000 PSI, you can get an extract and you can get CBD isolate, but it's going to be pure crap. And that's just, you know, it doesn't matter just, this is the answer all the time, but rather what are the goals of the people who are doing it? Why are they doing it that way? What are they hoping to accomplish? And that's the sort of questions that, I think we'll start to show up a little bit more in the savvy retailers and the savvy practitioners when they're evaluating companies. And I think eventually it's going to get down to the consumer level, hopefully through the efforts of things like this podcast, where people can find out more about the science of it, that it's not just a, you know, there's a, uh, forget, I think it might have been H.L. Mencken said, for every problem, there's a solution that is simple, easy, and wrong. What do you think about, uh, I mean, are you guys going to expand more into other things as time goes on? Yeah, we are looking at different um, formulations to serve specific needs as an initial thing that we're going to do. We have avoided um, certain parts of the marketplace. We're probably going to stay away from food entirely. Um, and that's strictly because most of what's out there in food is, is working with isolate and isolate is there's there's a few things that we can have a healthy disagreement with the FDA on uh, right now they don't want to accept cannabis in any form as generally accepted as safe because it wasn't available in 1994 as legal and we have a substantial argument on that that well it wasn't federally legal in 1994 but millions of consumers in California Oregon and Washington have been consuming it and we know that this Correct. has been going on. Nobody's dead yet. So we know this is not a lethal risk. And we know that LD50 or the lethal dose on this is perfectly safe. Um, we, we're not worried about those challenges. And it's a bit of a catch-22, but we feel like we're on a, a solid ground with that. Now, food additives are a different issue entirely. And while I'm allowed to sell you an herbal extract, a food additive must be approved by the FDA. And they have been clear 
that CBD isolate is not an approved food additive. And in fact, they don't approve herbal medicine as food additive. Uh, years ago, I wanted to come out with a line of functional syrups. I wanted a functional root beer that was going to be a, a good digest. I wanted a ginger ale that was going to be a good digestive. I wanted to have a good functional root beer that really was going to be deep tonic medicine. Um, I wanted to have a Coca-Cola that was mi- mimic mimicking soda that was going to affect your mood the way that the original recipe probably was built around from what we know about the herbs in it. And I went to one of the best contract manufacturers in the country and said, okay, here's what I want to do. He's like, I can't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Well, well, what do you mean? This is all how we use this stuff. He goes, no, you can't sell syrup. Those are food. Gotcha. And what you're, I'm like, no, no, I just want to have, I want to have the concentrate. And they add their own soda water to it. And he's like, nope, that's a syrup. It's a food category. I am prohibited from producing that for you. And for that reason, we're, probably going to stay away from all the food stuff unless something changes, which the good news is that this industry has a lot of money behind it. And that's going to make it work in Washington. And if the right people line the right pockets, that could all change. And if we have the option of legally working with it, we'd be happy to do so. But more than likely, we're not going to be doing anything with the food market simply because we don't, we're doing everything we can to stay out of trouble. Because we want to be that trusted brand for the pharmacist, for the physician, for them to recommend to their patients. And these are people who have a lot more to lose if things go wrong. Absolutely. And um, just because you had mentioned like the root beer and stuff, do you find that different delivery methods? So like, you know, when I do an edible THC, um, I find that it's actually better if I have a sugar-based delivery even like you said syrup like um not tincture but actually a sugar-based syrup and um and i've so and i've also noticed that on the thc made out of oil seems to be completely different from the sugar base like the sugar base will hit me quicker it acts faster it seems cleaner it doesn't last for 12 hours and when i come down it's an it's an easy you know it's not a big deal when i take oil based it might last I've taken too much sometime and it's lasted 24 hours where I am just on the bed laid out completely destroyed for 12 hours. And I don't seem to get, my question is basically is do you find that different delivery methods are more effective or, and if they are, do you, I mean, do you incorporate that or? Yeah. Um, we, we purposely developed different formulas using the different delivery methods for oral formula. So the oil, is considered the workhorse for everyday use. You want to do that every meal and bedtime because you have a predictable six-hour half-life. So if I give that to you at every meal and bedtime, we know that there's carryover going on throughout the day. And the oil, it can take 18 to 36 hours for that to break down or deplete depending on really your metabolic state. If you're dealing with a, a whole lot of inflammation, your burn rate might be a lot faster. But if we give you the oil consistently, we know that it's going to help carry you through the evening. So a little bit from the morning is going to be there. Um, more from lunch is going to be there. More from dinner. And then that bedtime serving is going to help carry you over towards the morning. And what seems to be happening is when the CBD is present, 
we are upregulating the production of anandamide, and it seems that the ECS receptors are more sensitive to the endocannabinoids you're producing. So for that purpose of upregulating the function of the endocannabinoid system and getting your body to straighten out its challenges in perceiving threat, whether that be from pain transmission, uh, from injury, or be that emotional that people may be dealing with with something, say, with anxiety, public speaking, um, it's still a perceived threat situation. And the response is improved by having the CBD in the system. So the oil is perfect for that usage. But if I'm trying to give you results immediately, oil is not real helpful. It may taste good and you may have, you know, placebo effect is 30 to 40%. If someone tells you they're feeling better, for God's sake, don't, don't ruin it for them. <laughs> they're like, oh, I feel much better. Absolutely. Well, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all in your head. Um, you know, don't be that. No, guy. no. But we came up with the buckle spray because alcohol is going to be a faster delivery. And whereas oil takes longer to break down in your body, it's got to go through the digestive process and first pass through the liver. You know, sugars, alcohol can go right into your bloodstream. And, uh, and the way we use it, using the prickly ash to open up the saliva duct and taking that back door is a great fast delivery. The problem is it burns out in four to six hours. So if you have a situation where you need more immediate results, the alcohol is very, very good for that, but not appropriate for the ongoing support of the ECS. So it's not that necessarily one is better for the other in all circumstances, but rather what is the application we're going to use it for and what is it that we're, what are the results we're so if you need more immediate benefit, something like a buckle spray and alcohol delivery will get you fast results and faster burn time. If you're trying to support ongoing function of the ECS, our practitioners would use the oil four times a day, every meal and bedtime consistently. And for someone who's never done this before, we suggest starting small because what can be effective for one person and what can be effective for the next person can be wildly different. So we might start at five or 10 milligrams four times a day. And then the next day at dinner and bedtime, bump that up to 10. The next day, carry that 10 milligrams over and then bump it up to 15 and increase it, say, five or 10 milligrams a day until they get to their level of comfort. If it's somebody who it's just situational circumstances, they may need less. If it's somebody who's really uh, got some deep work they need to do, that person may need a lot more. But most people are going to find what they're looking for within a couple hours, within a couple of weeks. So I wanted to talk about the, the only uh, one of the last questions I had was what would be your advice to consumers coming onto the market that are leery of CBD products? What what's your advice to them in, you know, coming onto the market and actually trying it out? Um, with any herbal medicine, find out who's behind it. Why are they making it? Who is doing, uh, who is making the decision? Um, what are the quality standards? What is their, um, you want to look for transparency in what you're buying. Um, you should be able to take your product and find out what the, you know, there's a lot of fraud going on in the industry. There's a lot of poor quality products that are out there. 
So you want to look at for something called a certificate of analysis, uh, commonly referred to as a C of A. And you should be able to go to a company and look, and this is pretty standard for a lot of the companies now because most of the retailers uh, who have the wherewithal to know this um, won't do business without it. If you have somebody who can't give you traceability, um, maybe find another retailer, find another company to buy from. Uh, From the websites, you should be able to go back and look at your bottle and find out what's in it, find out. Was it tested for pesticides and herbicides? Um, those are really, really common. And frankly, for a lot of the health concerns that people are dealing with, pesticides and herbicides make things worse. Um, you want to look for the presence of heavy metals. You want to look for the presence of the other cannabinoids beyond CBD. CBD should not be the only cannabinoid present. You should see a trace amounts of the other one. Um, you want to look for things such as terpenes, and these are compounds that give the flavor and smell to the plant, but are very much the difference that you're getting when you try different varieties. So if you, uh, or, you know, you guys know this backwards and forwards, but for a lot of the country, they've never been, people have never been into a dispensary. Right. And I'll describe to people, I'm like, look, if you go into MedMen in Los Angeles, they're going to have maybe 100 choices maybe 50, but it's not just the one the guy has that, you know, in a non, in a, in a black market is what your choices are. Um, they're going to have, they're going to have an intake for you of what are you looking for from your experience? Are you looking to relax? Are you looking to be energized and paint your house? Are you looking to, my favorite term I learned was couch slot, which I thought was hilarious, <laughs> but are you looking, to, are you looking for couch lock? Yeah. Are you looking, it's something to put you to sleep. Are you? Um, and based on all your on your answers, they're going to take you down to um, a, a series of choices that you would then pick from for the for the desired outcome. And most of those differentiations are not in the THC level, but rather it's these other compounds that are present and different among the different varieties that you're looking for. And you want to look for CBD products that have a lot of different terpenes going on, or at least that you, you can measure the presence of those terpenes. And these would be things like limonene, these would be things like pinene, myrcene, carophylline, which the plant doesn't produce for our benefits. They have, they have their own purposes for it, but they really change how we react to it. And that's where a lot of the differences from company to company are going are to fall between um, another thing is if they're using herbs, um, who's making the decisions on the herbs? How did they come about that? Um, it's significant that we use a traditional Chinese medicine doctor who has also done a lot of oncology work for more than a decade with cannabis because it's important that you know how the plants work together. And do you have a sense of how that works? And Chinese medicine is useful because Chinese medicine has documented use of this plant going back about 3,000 years. Now, they weren't differentiating between hemp and, and marijuana, but they were observing a lot of what we understand today if you understand how the construct of Chinese medicine works. Chinese medicine is built on this idea of five-element theory and how the different elemental parts of an, or organ groups of our body work together. And without getting too lost in the metaphysics, it's best to understand they created a construct that gave them a great deal of predictability 
to understand what results would happen with people when they gave them medicine. And there are a lot of observations that they found in how this plant worked, but also a sense of what other plants might work well with it to improve its performance. So one of the things that when I talked to these guys originally, they were like, oh, and we're formulating with herbs. I'm like, that's great. Who's doing it? And then when I found out who it was, I'm like, oh, now I got to try your product because now I'm really intrigued. Now I'm interested because I had spent so much time trying to find plant nerds. I wanted people who, who knew this as herbal medicine, who had respected it as herbal medicine. And that's where I ended up happy where I am. But a lot of the companies that are out there are just kind of looking at, well, okay, what are the most popular plants on the market right now? So we'll formulate that with cannabis and see what we get. And, you know, people are really looking for this, so we'll do that. Whereas you want to have a better sense of that. Herbal medicine isn't, no, isn't a bestseller's list, or it shouldn't be. Yeah. So those are the, those are the t- sort of things you want to look for. Quality, you want to look for transparency as to that quality. You want to look for adulterants. You want to look for the presence of other cannabinoids and the different terpenes and, and minor compounds. And once you get into that area, you're getting into a much shorter list of people of groups that you make a collection of. And then also talk to your retailer and find out what works. Find out what their experience, what their feedback has been from their customers. It might define the discussion of wine as a comparison of where things come from regionally. Like terroir and Appalachian and all that. Yeah. 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 Okay. And I think that so, we're, we're, we're probably one of the hot spots. It maybe in the world. Is that too, is that too bragging? Like, do you think that one of our terroirs here in Southern Oregon is, is the best? Oh, well, it depends on what you're trying to grow. Well, I mean, okay, right. I was referring you know, to, I'm, I was referring to him cannabis. Gonna, <laughs> yes. I'm probably not going to buy your peaches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or <more> oranges either. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm from Georgia where we produce the things that taste like sugar bombs. Yeah. Um, and that's all about the environment. But when it comes to wine, um, you have an amazing terroir for the Pinot Noir grape. But um, the muscadine grape that grows down in Georgia, it's a native species, um, won't do real, it's not going to be real happy up there. Does that mean the Oregon is not a good environment for wine? Oh, God, no. Not at all. You produce some of the best Pinot Noir in the world. And what we know is the environments that have those hot hot days and really cool nights and low humidity produce the finest Pinot Noir in the world. And it's not a coincidence that uh, Oregon, Northern California, Washington, and New Zealand, which all grow fantastic Pinot Noir grapes, are also great places to grow cannabis. They both like the same sort of thing which tells me that the Bordeaux region of France needs to start growing cannabis because um, they've got that same environment going on that makes the, the Pinot Noir grape happy. Um, and that's one of the more interesting things I want to find out about our plant is what does well in these other environments. So at University of Georgia right now, and I, I know a lot about Georgia because that's, that's where I actually live. We're an Oregon-based company, but it's good to have a sales director who operates out of Atlanta because as the saying goes, if you go to heaven or hell, they're probably going to connect you to Atlanta. <laughs> and there's a research project going at the, at the University of Georgia right now where they're growing all sorts of different cultivars. In fact, it, it started out as somebody's PhD project and it ended up being 
becoming much larger than that, where they're just experimenting with what's like that environment. And Tawar matters a lot because the terpenes are an environmental response. And if you've grown, you may notice different parts of your field may respond differently or you might get slight differentiation. And if you take that same cultivar and you put it up on a ridge versus being in a, in a valley, it's going to have different UV light exposure. It's going to have different wind exposure, which is going to change the terpene profile of the plant. Now, we know this from grapes. There's um, the Barolo grape from, um, from or the Nabilo grape from uh, Italy, where they produce um, the, the Barolo wine, is all grown in one valley. The side that gets the morning sun is worth half as much on the market as the side that gets the afternoon sun because the afternoon sun makes those grapes produce a lot more of particular terpenes that affect the flavor that also protect it against you for the plant protects it against UV light, but make a much better flavor. And, and it produces a lot of sugar as a self defense. And the same way you have the cannabis plant reacting differently in different environments. Um, I remember there was a thing in California where they went to 60 different dispensaries and got 60 different supposedly different source farms of, I think it was like OG Kush or something like that. And they ran the numbers and everything and they were all different. And that was held up at the time in a, as an example of the degree of fraud in the cannabis industry. And as an herb nerd, I looked at that and said, no, that's what the plants do. That's the same sort of thing we see with grapes. That's the same sort of thing we think with apples. That's what plants do. And where you get your plants from is going to really change how your medicine works. And I don't think there's at all a sense of appreciation for that in the consumer space. I don't think, you know, they, I think and we kind of get a sense of that with wine. You know, I can plant a Pinot Noir grape in Atlanta but it's going to taste like a muscadine because what gives it the flavor is an environmental response and it's going to adjust itself to meet its environment. So I think that's one of the more fascinating aspects of the industry that is not really talked about very much, but is it very much comes into play on how this different medicine is going to work for us. And it's one of the bigger challenges as we move out of the traditional Pacific Northwest environment, which by everything we know from the plants we've been working with is the best environment to grow those plants. So to answer your question, is this the ideal environment worldwide? Well, yes, from what we know about those cultivars, because what you guys are growing out there is what works out there. Right. We don't know what's going to work in the other environments yet. And it may be there's something amazing that can grow in Maine. How about Florida? It, it, yeah. Oh gosh, Florida. Is, That's a you know, Florida is going to be so screwed if we go yes. to fifty states. Yeah. Because you cannot grow outdoors in Florida currently. <laughs> right. I. Exactly. I mean, you can. I mean, it can be done, but it's not going <laughs> to. It's not going to be competitive on a national market, right. With what's coming out of Jackson and Josephine counties in Southern Oregon, because. Yeah. You guys have had, you know, what you decriminalized in 1973, right? And I think they got rid of their police around the same time, so the so the growers have been able to do their thing forever. Mm-hmm. Florida and a black market for one, you don't have the same quality standards. You don't have the ability to really 
get into what you're doing at such a level that you can replicate it year after year. You can't have permanent facilities quite so much. Um, so, you know, right now in Florida, um, I'm, our, our, group, our, our folks advised one of the groups down there who grows and helped them build out their facility. And it was like a $3 million build out for this grow house, which was all about figuring out a way to get the humidity in Florida, trying to get the humidity down exactly. so the plants be vulnerable. So their cost to grow is over $200 a pound. And what's the current price in Oregon? <laughs> <laughs> Not much more than so that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's uh, maybe a tenth of that. So those Florida growers are just absolutely screwed if they have to compete on a national market. I see. And that's one of the big regional things. But there may be ones that grow in Florida that we just don't know about yet. And it may be they can grow some recreational varieties. Or it may be they make the grist the best hemp or rope. You know, we don't yet know, but it's an endlessly diverse plant sure. that has managed to um, diversify itself to make us happy in a way that is is absolutely fascinating. Which is interesting because it seems like a lot of uh, plants and like fungus and stuff, it seems like the most successful ones are the ones that met our needs as a, as a human oh, yeah. being. And, uh, and so I often wonder if that the plant with whatever wisdom the plant has or whatever consciousness it has, I often wonder how much changing it's done over a long time to, to actually appeal to us. It would seem like it would be a very good uh, strategic way of making sure survival of the species or whatever plant fungus, whatever. Oh yeah. Michael Pollan wrote a great book along those lines called the botany of desire that is all about flipping on its head of who is working for who in this relationship. Right. And, you know, if you look at the cannabis plant, it, it emerges about 6,000 years ago in the area around Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan. And it was traveled, it was brought all over by the world by us. The plant didn't get up and walk. It didn't <laughs> blow its pollen. We took it with it because it made us happy. Yeah. The same way that we uh, used grapes and took them everywhere. The same way that we took apples and put them all over the place because they served a need for us and we therefore served the needs of that plant. Mm. And in this way that we, you know, may look at the honeybee and go, wow, look at the, the plants have got those bees working for them. It's like, well, that's not the only plant putting folks to work and <laughs> cannabis plant, but a lot of us doing exactly what it wanted for a very long time. Absolutely. And I didn't want to get too far off the terroir part because you had made a really good point. Um, we just got done doing a interview with Ananda Farms. Now, Ananda Farms is one of the best well-known farms for high-quality sun-grown cannabis. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's really hard to find really good, even in Oregon, it's really hard to find really good quality sun-grown cannabis uh, that looks and tastes and feels like indoor uh, without all the, the fake environment. And the reason he said he was so successful is because he actually, what he does is he takes time with a strain, not just cannabis in general. He'll take a strain and he'll spend time working with it to the point where he knows exactly where to put it on in his uh, landscape. Mm -hmm. And so Absolutely. he literally has his whole planned out landscape, all the cannabis, every row, every plant is put in a specific spot, northern, southern, you know, back row, front row, row number two, they're all in a specific place. 
mm-hmm. to to maximize whatever he's trying to get from those strains. And it amazed me that it was so detailed and it worked so well. The uniformity of the plants, the quality, everything was just top notch. And it and he said it all led back to putting the plant where it's supposed to be or where it likes it the best. There's a concept of having a conversation with the plant, of listening to what the plant is trying to tell you, that that's not at all new. Um, I used to, I ran a farmer's market for six years um, just as a community uh, work thing that we were doing at Atlanta um, and getting to know the farmers. And like you could always find somebody who was really, really good at a particular crop. And uh, for uh, tomatoes in, in, in Georgia, there's a lot of varieties that don't do well. And there's, there's some that do really well. And then you find people who everybody may be growing uh, Mr. Stripey's and uh, Cherokee Purples. But, you know, Daniel was the man on the tomatoes. And Daniel really produced, even with the same variety, a better tomato. And what it was is that he'd been growing that variety for a really long time on that farm. And it's not just knowing the plant, it's knowing the environment that you're growing within and what does it want to do? What is it happy doing on your land? And that's where experience really comes into play. And it's not, it totally makes sense to what you're saying. Uh, We're big fans of Shasta Farms as well who take a similar approach. And that's, it's not new to cannabis. I I, I had a conversation one time with a farmer from Herb, one of the guys at Herb Farm. And uh, without giving away too much of their trade secrets, they actually um, changed how they grew lemon balm on the farm because they had been following everything by the book for years, having a great product. But I think it was Mark, who's, uh, who's all about the plants and how they talk back to you, kept saying, you know, I keep pulling up volunteers over here in this corner. Right. And it, everything says it shouldn't grow there, but these volunteers are happy. They're healthy plants. <laughs> right. Why don't we just, listen to the plant and see what happens. So they took a totally different direction as far as what the book said and put it in this somewhat different environment, which, you know, this is all herb nerd stuff, but they tripled their yield and they had much healthier plants and they produced much more complex medicine. And if you're familiar with it, when you talk to herbalists, they'll tell you that one of the things herb farm does better is they get that better lemon ball. Mm-hmm. Because they're, and the truth is, they're not following the standard practices. And all of this is really a lot of it's observational. When you uh, look at a plant like kava, you know, a lot of people will tell you, oh, yeah, you got to get it from volcanic soil. It's got to grow on a mountain. But I was talking to Ed Smith from Herb Farm. I'm like, well, you know, I noticed that you, um, you spent three weeks evaluating maca, but you spent three months evaluating kava. And he said, well, maca was really easy. Everything above 14,000 foot on a plateau is going to be the same. The sunlight conditions aren't going to change. The wind's not going to change. But a mountain is a wholly different picture because sunrise is going to be different on the east side than it's going to be on the... On the it, sunrise is going to matter on a mountain and work differently. And then is it afternoon sun? Is it morning sun? And is it what elevation on the mountain are you at? And it's a part shade plant. Well, okay. What does that mean? What is it under the shade of? And when you really get into complexity, often it's not only the sunlight exposure. What plant is it growing with? It's under the shade of something. 
And what does that plant that it's with do to its environment? So there's things, um, I'm trying to think, I think it was Vitex, no, there's one plant, I'm trying to remember what they were growing. They literally had to go and plant poplar trees and grow poplar trees for 10 years because the poplar trees changed the soil to sufficiently grow the plant that they were looking to grow. Oh, wow. Wow. And that's what they were solving for. And now they've been working that land for 45 years. Yeah. And asking all these complex questions all the whole time to get there. So that's where finding people who've been working with the plant for a long time, observing the plant for a long time, growing it in their environment for a long time, really comes into play. And that, I think, probably is as much of why organ growers do better with it is that they've been able to do it for so much longer and have gained that perception based on their experience that we just don't have in the rest of the country yet. I often wonder, too, um, if, you know, we've been talking a lot of above the ground stuff, but I often wonder, especially in Oregon, because in Oregon, if you don't grow... And let me let me say this. Organic is such a generic, um, yeah. thinned out word, like full spectrum. Like it's just been diluted with wrong information. Right. But but in Oregon, we're really organic, meaning that, uh, you know, we're all about no till or, you know, uh, you know, natural nutrients, um, you know, and especially uh fungal and bacterial in the soil mm -hmm. and so i often wonder like let me give you an example and, and i'm talking to you this about this because being an herb nerd i love that saying by the way that's i'm going to steal that from you herb nerd <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was given to me years ago as a, as a description <laughs> of so i've just taken i'll just steal it uh no i there's a farm called willowbilly farms and we did an interview with them and they were talking about how the first year they started because they do a lot of CBD hemp products. So they mm -hmm. they um, do grow. They do both THC and CBD, but they're one of the farms that do grow real good quality CBD or I should whatever hemp. It's all the same cannabis. Mm -hmm. um, but what they said is that the first year they started because they started so quick and jumped in so quick, they used salt nutrients and just ran them. And they said mm -hmm. they got like on their hemp, they would get like three to 4%, um, you know, terpenes. They, the next year they switched over to a full living soil, inoculation, beneficials, fungus, uh, mm -hmm. organic nutrients, and it, it almost tripled the terpene content. Yeah, uh, it, happy plants produce better medicine. So, well, and I mean, the microbiome matters a lot towards producing better medicine. Because you're, you're, the threats to the plant are not just, you know, what's in the air, but definitely the soil that you're pulling from. And if you care for that soil and if it's a healthy soil, it's going to produce better medicine. No question about that. Sure. It's actually one of the challenges that I find with some of the hydroponic stuff is how do you, you know, what's supposed to go in there and what, what's your mix going to be? Frankly, you have to remember a lot of the people who are using CBD. It's not recreational. No, it's People, really, really medicine. Health problem. Um, we can't use this in any public format. So part of the reason that I got into this is my wife is a pediatric physical therapist. She teaches children with seizure disorders. I've, I've gone to some of the funerals for these kids. They're all dead. 
Children with seizure disorders typically don't make it into childhood. What's every seizure can do brain damage. Every, right. every seizure does brain damage. Every seizure can kill you. And these kids are having hundreds of seizures a day. Right. And the thing that got me into CBD was there was something that could reduce and use and it would be safe. And the scariest stuff in this entire market is there's a lot of unscrupulous people selling stuff to people who really need this shit for Right, right. That's the worst. Absolutely. That's the worst of all. That, <laughs> you know, if someone gets crappy kava, they're going to have a headache. I mean, I mean, actually, the kava situation in, in, in Germany shows that even that can be pretty bad. Absolutely. Um, now. Because it's human. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is I think that's what's most hurtful about marketing and the fraud and stuff that we we've talked about is that it discounts the real medicine. Mm-hmm. And, and then people will be, it becomes a punchline or, it, you know, becomes just some sort of just whatever. My mother is 80 years old and there's nothing she gets more delight from than in a crowded room saying, oh, honey, don't forget to bring me some cannabis. that is funny um so i just want to i have to ask this of all my interviews because we are a psychoactive culture we do we're cannabis based but we do talk about uh psychoactives um Uh and we you know had many many episodes on psychedelics now oregon in 2015 or excuse me this year um got the uh um, uh, decriminalized nature got it on the ballot to legalize psychedelics, plant-based psychedelics. Mm-hmm. And so we actually get a chance to vote on it this year. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So we actually, and we may, I, I think Oregon, Colorado, I know Oakland's already legal. I know uh, Denver, Colorado is legal for uh, psychedelic. Decrim- yeah, yeah. De- decriminalized. Sorry, sorry. Want to yeah. use the right word. Um, but uh, I think we're on the verge of that. And what's your opinion on psychedelics, natural psychedelics? And do you think there's healing properties? I think it's fascinating. Um, from people I've talked to among the practitioner community who have used um, psychedelic mushrooms, um, also even things like ayahuasca, they have gotten fantastic breakthroughs for people dealing with really serious uh, deep-rooted issues, particularly PTSD, um, that are just, you know, things that everything else wasn't working. And I think that the potential is really fantastic for that. And I think that when you look into our bodies co-evolved with plants. Right. Our bodies recognize every plant and fungus out there. Before, even if you've never been, you've never been introduced to it, our bodies know what these are when they come into us. And somewhere in the magic of that, whether it's magic or whether it's by God's design or sheer happenstance, whatever your belief is, right? our bodies are hardwired for this stuff and it works differently and better than anything we've ever been able to come up with. So I think the, the promise and the potential is massive for uh, the use of psychedelic mushrooms for dealing with mental disorders. The people I know who really know about these issues and have really worked with it are some of the biggest advocates I've met as Uh, far as just the efficacy that they have seen and the the results they have seen 
Um, there's, it's hard to have an educated perspective without coming away with a lot of respect and understanding of the promise. Even if you um, personally, you know, you know, in college, I tried acid, I tried mushrooms, I enjoyed the mushrooms, did not enjoy the, the coming down off of acid. Um, but came up with an, came with an appreciation of the whatever crappy mushrooms I was getting in Indiana in 19, early 90s, that this was a very different experience that had um, a very different feeling, a very different outcome, very different process of going through it, that you know, simply because you never know where you're getting stuff out of the black market. And I grew up with a lot of criminals. I've always been cautious about anything coming out of there and have kept a kind of not really dabbled much with that. But understanding the promise of it, I find it, I find it is really going to be the next thing that we end up talking about. And it may be, you know what, Oregon decriminalized cannabis in 1973, 50 years later, we're dealing with a national market. So, you know, we may be looking at, we get to, you know, our grandchildren really get to get the full benefits of this. Right. But I'm very curious to see how that all goes. And I'm hopeful that there are some places where we can get a chance to work with medicine as medicine in an environment where professionals can really do it. And not just it's a black market thing. Well, and part of that bill, I think, in Oregon is that there's safe access and safe usage. So there would be places that you could go to safely have mm -hmm. your psychedelic trip if you wanted. Um, it also does mm -hmm. include safe access for just, I guess, what you'd call recuse. But, um, but basically, yeah, they would set up centers that you could go to and actually have an experience with a, uh, a staff member that monitored your blood, you know, give you a safe experience. For me, that wouldn't be safe. You know, I've done a lot of psychedelics over the years. And for me, I don't think being in a clinical setting, that would probably make me go south maybe. But uh, but for a lot of people, especially new people um, to that scene, that's that kind of safe spot where you know you're fine and can be treated is going to be a good thing. But all right. Well, so after all that good stuff, I'm sure that people want to know how to get a hold of you, where they can they get your products. Let's plug your website. Let's where where are you at? Uh, Green Earth Medicinals is found in practitioners and uh, pharmacies and health food stores across the country. You go to greenearthmedicinals.com. You can go to a store locator and find the retailer nearest to you. Um, you can also go to our website. And if you have a particular questions about the use of our product. We can't give you medical advice, but we can connect people with practitioners who do use our product because one, one of the challenges is what works in one company with one company might not be present in another company's product. So you, if you're talking to a practitioner, they need to have some experience with what you're taking. By the way, this is something that is worthwhile to talk about because it comes up a lot. Um, you'll hear a lot of people say that Cannabis is the cure for cancer. It's the secret, and they're trying to hide it from us. Please understand that's not true. Cannabis is a lot of different things, depending on what cultivar you have and how it's grown, that can deliver different results. And cancer is a lot of different things that have one thing in common, and that's uncontrolled cell growth. But cancer can be a whole lot of different cell lines that respond differently to different types of treatment. And while there are cell lines that are responsive to cannabis, CBD 
is not the part that seems to be doing the job. It's the THC. When we're when they're using it as a chemo agent, they're using THC dominant strains. When they're using our products, they're typically using it for pain management, and they're using it for its ability to help the body modulate inflammation. And there are certain cell lines typically related, the ones that respond to immunotherapy that really respond to cannabis, but it's real important when you're dealing with cancer that you understand there is, there's nothing that's one size fits all. And we don't want people to think that we've got this hidden cure because it's a really serious subject. Cedar's practice is centered around, uh, around cannabis uh, or centered around cancer and uses cannabis in care, but he doesn't use it with everybody for a reason. And we want to be real clear that we're not trying to present uh, our company as a cure-all for anything. And <clears throat> that's a great, great thing. Cause I, I don't want to, uh, I think that again, that's part of the hype. I think that, um, you know, too many people are misled on, you know, it's just going to be a cure-all or something, but I'm higher peaks and you've just listened to the dirt show. If you like this episode, please like share comment and go to organrooted.com where you can subscribe to us on your favorite platform like iTunes, Pandora, or Spotify. Also check us out on our YouTube for videos and IG, Facebook, and Twitter for all our updates. Thank you for listening.